You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are doing... Uh, old stories, the Old Testament stories, maybe stories you've heard all your life, maybe stories you're hearing for the first time, doesn't matter, but I think in, in general, most of these stories, we've had a general sense of these from our own culture and time. Uh, we are relearning these, uh, the old stories, but trying to hear a fresh thing, asking some questions. What we're not asking is, is this story true or is this history? Because I believe they are, but I think that sometimes we get stuck in that question and the answer becomes yes or no uh, for scholars or for us. And if it's yes, then it doesn't have that much power. It's one of those things where we just learn our history so we don't repeat our history. But I think God is doing something more, deeper, fuller in these stories. So the questions we are asking are, why do we tell this story? What is the logic of this story? What does God want to say to us through this story? And ultimately, what questions is, are, what questions are God, is God asking of us? Because sometimes we come to God's word and we say, what can we get from this? And I don't think God wants us to come that way. I think God wants us to come and say, where are we in this story? Where do we find ourselves in God's salvation history? What what questions is God asking of us? I think that's a more mature, healthier question. So far, we've talked about Noah, Jonah, Gideon, Tower of Babel, Solomon, Abraham, and Isaac last week. So if you're interested in any of those, go back and take a listen. But today, we are talking about David and Goliath, the big one, the masterpiece, the one that many of us have heard, even if we haven't been to a church service a day in our life. It comes from our story in 1 Samuel 17. We have a little bit of a long passage. I'm going to try to shorten it as much as possible. I encourage you to go back and read. The details are rich, uh, but there's a lot that we need to see and experience in there. So bear with us. We're going to read the story. I have three short points. We have some questions to talk to each other about, and we will be on our way. I've highlighted some words and ideas in here <laughs> that I, I want you to pay attention to so that we can come back to because it's a, it's a wall of text, y'all, but, but we can do it. We can hold on. Get ready. So essentially, oh, let me give you some backstory. Uh, the Philistines have been attacking God's people of Israel. And so uh, Israel has not reclaimed all or claimed all its territory yet. So about 14 miles west of Bethlehem, which is where David's family from, King David, uh, is from. Uh, he just got anointed king, even though the old king hasn't stepped down yet. <laughs> the, they're fighting the Philistines. One of the reasons why Israel wanted a king is because these Philistines were attacking and aggressive. So they asked for a king and they got this king named Saul. And Saul was great for a time, but then he was not great for a time. And God has rejected him even though he's still king and David has just been anointed king. That's the beginning of the story. So there's some battle over some land. It's tense. It's been happening. And the Philistines are just a superior army all around. They have mastered bronze at the beginning of the Bronze Age, and Israel has not. And so it's really, an, they are outmatched and outgunned uh, as far as you can be outgunned in a Bronze Age battle. Um, sometimes <laughs> what would happen, if you've seen the movie Troy uh, from the early 2000s, sometimes what would happen is be- armies wouldn't fight each other right away. They would send out their greatest champion, uh, each from the other army, and they would have them fight first as kind of a mini battle. And then often the result of that would either come up with some kind of treaty peace or the armies would just battle as in this case okay that's all you need to know let's jump into our story a champion 
So we got this champion battle. Named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was more than nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore bronze scale armor weighing 125 pounds. He had bronze plates on his shins and a, and a bronze scimitar hung on his back. His spear shaft was as strong as the bar on the weaver's loom and its iron head weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked in front of him. And then there's like 30 verses about David taking his brother's lunch. Um, he's asked to bring cheeses to the troops. I didn't know cheeses was a word until I read this uh, story in my teens, but there you go, cheeses. He's a shepherd, and he's bringing some sheep's cheese to his friends. He Blessed does it. are the cheesemakers. That's true. That's what I think I heard. Uh, and he overhears Goliath taunting Israel's army. Back to the story. David asked the soldier standing by him, who is that uncircumcised Philistine, which is, a great smack talk. Like, uh, anyway, who is that uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he can get away with insulting the army of the living God? And then David goes, talks to the current King Saul. Don't let anyone lose courage because of this Philistine, David told King Saul. I, your servant, will go out and fight him. The king says, you can't go out and fight this Philistine, Saul answered David. You are still a boy, and he's been a warrior since he was a boy, which is a great line, right? And then so David is going to try to convince the king that he should go out and he's going to use part of his life story to do that, which is going to be important for us later. David says, your servant has kept his father's sheep, David replied to Saul. And if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it and rescue the animal from its mouth. If it turned on me, I would grab it at its jaw, strike it and kill it. Your servant has fought both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Saul is convinced. King Saul, he says, go. And may the Lord be with you. And then Saul tries to dress David in his own armor, putting on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David strapped his sword over the armor, but he couldn't walk around. Well, because he'd never tried it on before. I can't walk in this, David told Saul, because I've never tried it on before. I like how it repeats itself in dialogue. And so he took it off. We're almost done. Then David grabbed his staff. He chose five smooth stones from the stream bed and he put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag and with sling in hand, he went out to the Goliath, the Philistine. The Philistine got closer and closer to David and his shield bearer was in front of him. The Philistine asked David, am I some sort of dog that you would come at me with? Sticks, another great line, guys. Yeah. Dog, sticks. But David told the Philistine, you are coming against me with sword and spear and scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of the heavenly forces, the God of Israel's armies, the one you insulted. And today the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. Spoiler, that's exactly what happens. Today I will feed your dead body to the dead to, and the dead bodies of the entire Philistine camp to the wild birds and the wild animals. Then the whole world will know that there is a God on Israel's side. And all those who gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't save by means of sword and spear because the Lord owns this war and he will hand all of you over to us. This is the battle now. Very short. All of that smack talk leads to a couple verses of battle. 
The Philistine got up and moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly to the front line to face him. David put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it and hit the Philistine right in the forehead. And the stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And that's how David triumphed over the Philistine with just a sling and a stone, striking the Philistine down and killing him. And David didn't even have a sword, the story tells us. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, which was huge, remember, drew it, from his sheath and finished him off. And then David cut off his head with the sword. And then uh, Philistine armies flee. Dead bodies are strewn everywhere. Birds get to eat them. I'm summarizing the rest of the story. David keeps Goliath's head in his bag forever as a trophy. uh, And he takes uh, Goliath's armor and puts it in his tent. There's the story of David and Goliath as told by 1 Samuel 17. Now, I don't remember in third grade hearing about the head and the bag. Me oh, man, it's brutal. He would he would use it as an ID card. He'd be like, my name's David. And they're like, yeah, right. He'd be like, here's Goliath's head. And they're like, okay, we believe you now. It's a pretty um, brutal that's awesome. story. And then all the women would sing these songs about how awesome David is. He'd be like, the current king has only killed a 1,000, but David has killed his 10,000s. It's a that's gruesome, cool. brutal story that little boys love to hear i know in third grade i would have <laughs> loved that sometimes we try to church it up a bit but it's all there that's <laughs> god's word we can be honest about that right what does god want us to know right i preach head heart hands or no feel do there's something that i think god wants us to know in our heads experience or cultivate in our hearts and do something with our hands so that we can have a holistic faith and 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 the thing i think well the first question is what does god want us to know and i think the thing that god wants us to know is that we are tempted to put our trust in many things. Technology can be one of the most deceptive ones that is vying or competing for our trust, faith, hope. I have to tell you, we have got this David and Goliath story all wrong. We usually make it about big versus small. We usually make it about facing our giants. This story is not about big versus small. This story is not about facing our giants. It's not about overcoming giant obstacles. The story is about something else that we miss because sometimes we've read the stories too many times. And, and I don't want to take that from you. Like if that's been really valuable for you, please keep that. But what the story is really trying to communicate, it's, it's about putting our faith into technology. Specifically, technology of violence in this case, but technology nonetheless. Let's look at the story here. We're in the Bronze Age, as I've already said. It's just become the Philistines were way further along than Israel. And notice Goliath's description The champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistines camp. He was more than nine feet tall. He's big. He's big. But we have a quarter of a verse about his height and three full verses about his armor. Bronze helmet, bronze scale armor, weighing 125 pounds, bronze plates on his shins, bronze scimitar hung on his back, spear shaft, weaver's loom, (laughs) right? Iron head weighed 15 pounds, this spear that he had, uh, and his shield bearer walked in front of him. A quarter of a verse about his height and three full verses about his armor. Bronze covered from head to toe. He's big in the story. His bigness has a purpose. It's so that he can carry all the armor. He's, he's the epitome of the most technologically advanced warrior of his day. So yeah, he's big. Absolutely, that's part of it. And, and David is described as small, but that has a purpose too. It's because he can't wear all the same armor. He can't put, he literally can't put his trust in the same kind of technology because Israel doesn't have it and because he doesn't have the stature or frame to hold it. 
He is the epit- he, he's a walking tank, essentially. Cannot move, barely. He's got to have a, a shield bearer hold his stuff. David can't wear the king's armor. Like, that's another part of this whole story. It's too big. It's too clunky. So he uses his shepherd tools, which is going to come. What's Goliath's complaint? Not David's smallness. He says, am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? Because David brings his shepherd staff. What, what does David hope to prove when he's taunting Goliath back? It's not that we shall overcome this great giant. He says, you are coming against me with a sword and a spear and a scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And all those gathered here will know that the Lord does not save by means of sword and spear. Mm. What David hopes to prove is that by we, we sometimes put our trust too much in technology and God is doing something different. God is, has a different way of keeping us safe and, ex- and extending to us his own salvation. And technology can compete, and then in this case, the technology of violence and war, can compete for us to put our hope and faith and trust in. This story is about us, what Jay just said, putting our hope, faith, trust into technology, into the times into what we can dream up and conceive on our own Mm. and technology has done a lot of good i'm absolutely not taking this away but as spiritual beings it has not settled our souls it has not moved us closer to god and neighbor and in so many ways it does the exact opposite i was going to um show you i'm not preaching at anyone here Every Sunday morning before church, my phone tells me how much time on average I spend on it daily, which is my least favorite text. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's like, please don't tell me how much time I spent on a screen all day, every day. And today I got one uh, right before church. Oh, and it was like, and, I, and I, I'm being real with y'all right now. Wow. Let's hear it. It was like. 47 hours a day. No, it's a, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you hyped it up. Honestly, it was six hours a day. Yeah. Oh, that's, six that's hours a day. That's I thought it could be. That doesn't count TV, which I don't watch that much of. Doesn't count my computer, which I do a little bit of. But my phone, between receiving text messages and just wasting time, six hours a day. That's like a lot. I don't know how many. Oh, like almost that, that, half that, that, my waking yeah. time. So I'm not preaching at you. There's no judgment here. In fact, I, I'm feeling a little bit of judgment through the screen. But no, we, not at all. Thank you for being transparent. I, think could, I thought it was going to be worse because of, of me. Yeah. Because I feel you. And so this story is about how much we give to technology to make us safe, to make us feel safe, to make us feel like everything's going to be okay. This is the idea of salvation, especially in the Old Testament. It's like, life and longevity of life and happiness. Sometimes we hear the word salvation and we think going to heaven someday when we die, and that is certainly part of salvation. But it's so much more than that. It's what do we look to to provide, to make us content, to give us peace. And technology certainly has a way of trying to give us comfort, peace, wants us to put our hope in salvation. So I'm just asking y'all, I got answers, but what do you guys think? Where do you see us as society, as culture, putting our trust in technology for safety, salvation, hope, peace, contentment, happiness, et cetera? I was blown away by this question because I've been thinking about that so much lately. Yeah. I think it's really, 
um, especially the scape, uh, uh, the scope, scape of so of social media right now is just like man, it's so divisive. And so I've just really seen, um, I've been really thinking about using swords uh, and turning them into plowshares of just like these things that are such powerful tools. I mean, we're able to interact with you all right now, uh, send your comments, by the way, because of technology and because of social media. Um, and so um, using it for good, and I find myself using it for not good and, and it turning my heart a little bit. So um, I've been thinking a lot about that um, it, it before... Uh, COVID, I was thinking about how, you know, we just, if we had really good solar panels uh, and we had really good batteries, then everybody in the world could have running clean water and everybody would be happy because we'd have clean water and we'd have energy and we'd have everything that we need. And um, I, I, I think I even said something to you about it, James, and it's just like, dude, you can't put all that much hope in technology. Um, and man, I'm seeing it more transparently than ever because it doesn't solve the God-shaped hole and that some, I mean, some of the happiest people in the world are have nothing because they have the Lord. And it's like, so why am I like, why? I'm just like, yeah, technology will figure it out. Oh, climate change, oh, technology will figure it out. Oh, uh, people know, don't have water, they'll figure it out. And, and it's just like, man, um, first of all, that gives us a pass because I'm not a guy who writes code and makes <laughs> robots. Um, and so I don't have to get hands-on with it. But yeah. then also, secondly, like, the real hope is in Jesus. Yeah. And um, so I've seen that long-term, and then right now I'm thinking real small about yeah. using social media like a plowshare. Like, how do we grow yeah. something out of this rather than using yeah. a sword to stab each other with? If it doesn't bring us closer to our neighbor, it doesn't help us love our neighbor better than... Oh, man. This is hurting our souls. Absolutely. What do you got, Miranda? Um, uh, so, Bring us man, home. as you were like talking, <laughs> man, my mind was going, I was dazing off about all the things that I think this correlates with. But two things that stand out to me um, particularly are where I depend or where I've been known to depend, and I think others as well, on technologies would be... Um, I think body image, sure. and, and I'm mm. going to bring this home in a second, Yeah, and also artificial village. Okay. A and I'm reading a book right now, and it's probably highly influencing why how I'm thinking about this in particular, and it's uh, Jen Hatmaker's yeah. Fierce Free and Full Fire. Yeah. Um, but when I'm talking about body image, I just like I'm thinking about, like for one, me, I've struggled with my weight my entire life, yeah. and it's Amen. so much easier um, to take a pill or drink this, like, uh, Disgusting. Like a right. scientifically <laughs> made coffee Flurry. that's going to reduce my weight by 50% yeah. by tonight at midnight. You know, whatever. But so I think we do put a lot of, um, and it's all over. It's all over social media. It's yeah. everywhere. It's I'm not the only one that buys in. There's a lot of people that do. But uh, my point on that was since all of this COVID thing has gone down, what I've been doing a lot more is um, is doing a lot more around my house. Yeah. So I got up one morning and I was looking at my watch, just put it on fresh off the charger yeah. and I'm outside and I'm watering the garden and I'm doing the treatment on the pool and I'm feeding the pigs and then I'm watering the other garden because we have two gardens now and then I did some <laughs> laundry and then I did the dishes and I, you know, all these little things that needed to be done around the house. Yeah. And the next time I looked at my watch, which was literally like, I don't know, an hour later, yeah. I had like closed my ring my workout ring for the day oh yeah because i was just literally up doing that yeah. and it just kind of got me to think that like we didn't worry about weight issues and things like this before because we 
we just did the stuff. Just we weren't stuff dependent that, on, yeah. you know. So anyways, that was my first thing. We weren't thing. sitting around thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, or how can I find a quick fix to do it? I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But then also this idea of um, a village. And, and yeah, you said digital village. I've never heard this. Yeah. Teach me. Well, because, like, I think we get stuck in... <sighs> I don't even know how to explain this. I hope it makes sense to you. Yeah. But basically, like, we get this artificial idea that we have people surrounding us. Like, if we have enough likes on our post about yeah. such and such or whatever, then I have this community behind me. Yeah. But ultimately, it is human connection. Yeah. And I think for me, where we miss this as parents is, you probably have term the heard the term of the, um, my village or, like, I raising my tribe, you know, things like that a lot. But ultimately what that means in the context of that is that there was a such a time where yeah. you raised children in a literal village yeah. where aunt was next door and family members were close and all of those people spoke into the life of this child and we've gotten away from that like yeah. big time yeah. and so mm -hmm. um i don't know i think for me that speaks volumes about who i invite into um, helping me parent these children and I yeah. want that village to be vast and I want that village to be uh, sound in their moral values yeah, and right. compass and um, so yeah I think that we have um, kind of gotten away from the people the human interactions of what a village is yeah. um, and relied a little too much on um, on putting Netflix in front of our kids to, to be quiet and, and keep them Sedated for a I moment didn't while we do things. Expect <laughs> to feel attacked right now. No, so no, I'm just I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've we've done all kind. We've we've tried to make too much of technology. And think that it can be everything, and it can't. It could be a lot of things, but it certainly doesn't um, settle our soul. Like we said, it doesn't create connection. Off and the, the first thing I thought of when you were talking about it about the di digilage, which I think we should call the digital digilage, <laughs> is that they'll turn on you. It's like celebrity. It's like uh, you post one thing that they don't li like. Some don't like, and it's sex, and yeah. uh, you know, or it's S E C T S, you know, oh and they yeah. just kind of break <laughs> off. And now this group hates you, and this group likes you, and it just turns quick. Whereas it's like when it's your family, when yeah. it's your village, when yeah. it's your tribe, when it's your people, yeah. it's way right. you don't. It, there's no like right hand, just like I hate you now, like right. like we get with social media. And so that's what I thought of. Absolutely. Uh, well, like, uh, sorry, I don't want to like drive this too far home, but yeah. I mean, even for us, putting us on blast a little bit. I mean, we got together about two weeks ago and talked about some pretty hardcore stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's I remember true. you saying to me, Miranda, I never would have thought that. I yeah, never would have thought that about you because even us have gotten so I we're know. busy, we're teachers, we're moms, we're dads, we're pastors, we're all we're these things. And but just really getting down to like not letting those influence who our actual conversation, human right. interaction, connection. And being in a room together. Absolutely. You guys brought it way home. I was thinking like <laughs> I was thinking what You're you Matt originally mentioned, which was global warming. Like um <clears throat> where I disagree with many of my conservative friends is that I actually I think it exists. I think humans are, are making a, a negative detriment in on that. But where I disagree with my my oh I was like oh yeah that's what we were talking about because I was like oh, they'll invent a machine that'll just scrub the air and we'll be fine. <laughs> where, and where I disagree yeah <laughs> with my progressive like, friends is they're like we'll we'll just have technology it will solve it. And and Elon really, Musk will make a machine that scrubs the, <laughs> you know, atmosphere. We'll be fine. And the idea, especially as Americans, is we're like we can consume our way out of this product. We could, if we buy the right things and we do the right things, and it's like, 
just as a as a, a, a spiritual leader, I just there's consuming is always a, a little bit of a precarious issue. And if we think that that is the solution, if that is salvation for an issue that we're facing, man, we're just making our souls even more and more separated. This and this can be put a bow on what you just said perfectly. Is Aaron? Hi, Aaron. She's doing social media. So shout out to Aaron. Anyway, she goes, I think a way we sometimes put our trust too much in technology is simply the stuff we buy. Fancy cars, fancy clothes, kitchen gadgets, cleaning gadgets. Eventually, we're going to have to scrub the floors. I love this. We yeah. got to do the things, right? Aaron's like, you can't buy elbow grease, right? You can buy as many things <laughs> as you can't buy. But even when I'm thinking about school, we think if we just give kids enough technology, especially with the issues we're facing right now, it's going to solve the issues. But there's just a soul sickness that cannot be... Uh, saved or healed by technology i think we know this but sometimes at the end of the day when i wake up and the first thing i do is look at a screen i don't live like i know this right i don't think we do so there's a way there's a way in which technology can deceptively because it's so good there are so many good things to it but there's a way in which it can try to steal uh, our hope it can try to steal where we place our faith let's move on what does god want us to cultivate in our characters and our hearts what do we learn from david here that i think is helpful for us God wants us to develop a shepherd's heart, a shepherd's heart. We need to know this about David. David was just chosen to be king the last chapter because he has a shepherd's heart. And what makes God most upset with David later on in his life is that he forgot his shepherd's heart. And I could preach 200 sermons on this, but I got one right now. And in our story, we see shepherd being over and over. It's coming up. It's bringing brought to the forefront. Forefront. Look at these verses. David went back and forth from Saul, King Saul's side, because he was the musician of the king, uh, to, to shepherd his father's flock. The story wants to remind us that David is a shepherd. David is his brother Eliab gets very mad at David. He says, you just want to come see the battle. And, and his brother's question for him is, uh, who is watching the few sheep for you in the wilderness? He, even his brother reminds us that he's supposed to be a shepherd. But David doesn't forsake his shepherdness in this situation. He, he steps into his shepherdness. David says to King Saul, your servant has kept the father's sheep. And if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of them, I would go after it. I'd strike it. I would rescue the animal from its mouth. And if it turned on me, I'd grab it by the jaw and do a King Kong body slam. I just imagine, you know, know, that T-Rex. You have to watch the King Kong from 10 years ago. Definitely. Last one. David took off Saul's armor and then he grabbed his shepherd's staff and he chose five smooth stones from the stream bed and and he put them in the pocket of a shepherd's bag. The story wants to remind us over and over. David has not put his hope in the in the violent technology of the day he is not the epitome of of a technological warrior he is following after the lord who is uh, our shepherd right he the lord is our shepherd david writes in psalm 23 i shall not be in want right god is described as a shepherd jesus tells us in john chapter 10 that he's the good shepherd david is chosen as the king because he is a shepherd Uh, so what is a shepherd it's just someone who gives care guidance and protection when it's needed god wants us to develop that character into ourselves and we see this over and over again in our scripture have mutual concern for each other serve each other through love galatians tells us continue encouraging each other and building each other up these are shepherd-like qualities and so what i want you to be thinking about well before i ask these people a question who's shepherding you and who are you shepherding who are you practicing these one another's with? Who are you encouraging, guiding, protecting, uh, giving spiritual wisdom and direction to, right? 
And so the question for us is, who was looking after you this week? Did someone look after you this week? And what did they do that was meaningfully shepherding to you? Mm. Take it or leave it. That's the question. I'm just looking, you know, I could talk about examples in general, but I'm just wondering what was meaningful this week at this time. Um, we, we had a hard week. Well, I'm just going to start with that. Um, uh, for those of you that know, I'm a foster mom, and we had court this week, and it was not very great. Um, and so, anyways, I've been going through a lot of um, emotional disturbances, and then just also just on our little one's journey, um, feeling a little bit alone. And so who I feel like was looking after me, actually, uh, I'm not going to say uh, his name, sure. but it was our it was our social worker yeah. uh, through our RFA who just kind of let me, after uh, court, just bleh, spew all of, m- all of my frustration and anger and all of the things, um, but also was there... 24 hours later when I slept on it and I was a little more level-headed and uh, could see the bigger picture a little bit better um, and helped me come up with some plan of, of next best action step items. So yeah, uh, he was definitely uh, helping look after my my person and uh, yeah. the situation we're in. So. Love it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, Amen. That's, that's good stuff. Um, I guess for us, it was um, this last week was Julianne's birthday. Whoop, happy and birthday, so Julianne. We did some, we literally went for a drive because that's like all you can do now. And then we went to Chick fil A uh, and got Chick fil A. And um, but who was really uh, looking out for us um, was my sister, Shelly. So sh- uh, shout out to Shelly. She was, she really took it upon herself to try to make things special for Julianne. And we actually uh, uh, had a picnic in our house that we're building, and <laughs> just it was like a million degrees in there because uh, <laughs> it's just you know empty walls, and so uh, and she set out a whole thing and she set it up and she made the blanket and she did the decorations, and then the next day we sat outside because that's the only way you know we can interact with with them because we want to keep dad healthy, and so. Um, we were outside and far apart and she made a whole spread of food for us. And so anyway, so Shelly was really, uh, considerate to, um, Julianne on her birthday and, um, we didn't have much going. And so it was really nice to have her looking out for us. So that was kind of fun. Thanks for sharing. I had a couple conversations this week. I got to talk to Grandma Sue. Hi, Grandma Sue, Grandpa Bill. Oh. They said they watch every week. They put it on their TV if, if their son Mark is there. So uh, it's cool. it was good talking to you. I got to go to counseling guys. this week. That was really helpful for me. Um, and Joe Bell Lerner texted me this week. He just said, how can I help? And that was just really it just came at the right time. Just really felt like she was thinking about things and processing. And it was meeting the places where I was thinking about things and processing. So. There was a number of conversations I had this week uh, with Candace as well. Hi, Candace. Also, happy birthday, awesome. Ryan Rayom today. Happy birthday. Oh, Ryan. homie Rayomi. Hey, happy birthday. <clears throat> and, you know, when you talk about that, James, like just real quickly, um, Mr. Rogers, you know, is like my hero. And one of the things that he would always say is look for the helpers in any situation, no matter how depressing, how sad, how dire things look, there's helpers. And so when you name some of those people, I think about Jobel and I yeah. think about it's like, man, we've got helpers in our church. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like so cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, anyways. Yeah, I was thinking about that quote recently. That, and I think that's perfect advice 
for everyone, but especially for kids, look for the helpers. But as adults, I oh, think man, the, that I was think, for everybody. I think the encouragement is also figure out how to be a helper sometimes yeah. too. You know, thanks for answering that question. Who's shepherding you? Who are you helping shepherd? Let's move to our last and shortest point. Huh? What does God want us to do with this? Uh, what is God uh, trying to reveal to us through the character of David in this situation to help us on our own spiritual journeys? And I think remembering the past victories of God is what we see David do that is most uh, inspiring for him. It gives him the most courage to face his enemy. Um, what convinces King Saul and encourages uh, David to move forward with this idea, with this, with this stuff? David recounts the past victories of God in his life. And it helps him in his current battles and his future battles, right? He says to King Saul, your servant has kept his father's sheep. Shepherd again, right? Shepherd's heart. David replied, and if ever a lion or a bear would carry off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it, I'd rescue the animal from its mouth. And if it turned on me, I would grab its jaw and strike it and kill it. Your servant has fought both lions and bears, which there were in the Middle East during this time. Not anymore, but they were definitely there. Uh, this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Remembering God's victories of yesterday helps sustain our trust in God for today and tomorrow. And so I think it's a powerful practice that we can learn to do is remember, remember, remember. In the, in the Jewish sense, remembering isn't just recalling. Sorry, I'm not on screen when I did it. Recalling. It's putting back together. So when they have their church service, they, they remember the story. They put it back together and they place themselves in it. We we left Egypt. We, Moses led us out of uh, Egypt and into the wilderness. They put it back together and they remember it in a way that they are present in the story. So remembering is more powerful than just recalling. It's putting back together. It's remembering, putting the body of the story back together and letting ourselves be a part of it. Here's my question for y'all and then we are wrapping up. How do we make remembering God's faithfulness a spiritual practice? How do we make it a routine? What are some things we can do so that we don't, have to just try to start remembering in the middle of the storm, but we've been practicing it in a way that's meaningful and uh, building us up. What do you got? Uh, I think prayer and journaling. Yeah, you've I been think, yeah. journaling last week. Journaling awesome. just kind of helps you, especially when you're in that moment of frustration or anger or fear or all the th all the above, uh, putting that down so that you can remember that place that you're at. Yeah. But then also moving forward, when God answers the prayer, it's pretty clear. Like you can go back to that. Um, yeah, and I don't know why, but I feel the need to close the loop from <laughs> from my previous statement uh, because this was this was definitely acted out. So Wednesday morning was when we went to court. Yeah. Wednesday afternoon was when I uh, unleashed this frustration yeah. uh, and sounding board on our social worker. Yeah. But Wednesday afternoon, it started to make a full loop for me, um, putting the things into practice, and that yeah. was youth group that night. Yeah. Uh, Maddie yeah. McCullough is an amazing singer and worship leader there at the youth and um so we were practicing socially distant standards we weren't singing but man her voice just brought me to tears her and tucker was playing the piano at one point and then i was reminded to pray because ultimately in this specific situation there's nothing i can do there's nothing that social worker to do can do i mean there are things that we can do but ultimately this yes. little one is in god's hands yes. uh, and i have to trust that he's here with us now 
Yes. He's in her plans already in the future. Yes. Uh, and gave me a way to kind of like trust in that. So anyways, bringing it full circle, acting that out. Then I also got together with my sister, Sydney, and we like literally prayed together as a family. This is something we need to pray about. Um, so yeah, prayer, journaling. Worship's perfect too. Of like that's what worship yeah. is really is remembering the faithfulness of God as a community and getting to sing about that and hear the story about and it. And journaling study. So you did the worship study pray. Woo! Three do Georges. The, do the things. Um, f- mine's a little bit sillier. Um, but so when we okay, so I, I like before I got married, I didn't really get those bits that all those stand up comedians did about marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, now I totally get them. Yeah. And one of them is like when we're trying to leave the house yeah. and I only have one. I am the only one that carries keys and I have the deadbolt and I am just like waiting outside in the sun. And mm-hmm. she's she does this thing. She goes, sorry, she's in the room. So she'll yell at me later. But she goes, hold on. And she does like a scan of the room and double checks everything. Did I get everything? Do I have my coffee? Do I have my thing? And I'm just like, because she's smart. I'm standing outside in the heat. Can <laughs> yeah. we just leave and just forget whatever? Like throw it in the trash. Like, um, but smart. ultimately, it saved us a few times. Absolutely. And every uh, time, pr- yeah, sure. probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah, but yeah. And so. Um, but standing in the heat on the porch, I was like, "Come on, dude!" I'm like, try, "Let's just leave." And if we forgot our coffee, then we'll just buy it. I don't know, but um, no, it's usually good. And I think that there's a spiritual practice to that too, of just like going, "Okay, wait, hold on." Yeah. Like, let's just hold, hold on. Yeah. And in fact, we as pastors have done that a few times about yeah. the table, of just like this. This last few months has been really hard for us as a church, and it feels like. We're relying too much on the digitalage, and we're we're just like there's. It's just really like reflecting on the lack of connection and the spiritual hurting, and what we need to do. I really feel like um, more often probably is to just go hold on. Hold on. If God brought us this far yeah. as a church and as a per, as a person, um, you know why yeah. wouldn't He take us to the next level? You know, regardless of the of what's going on in the world and the illness and the sickness and the just disaster, you know, stricken campfires and spillways. If he's, you know, brought us as a church and me as a person this far, why wouldn't I hold on? Let's review the story. Let's review the let's look at the let's reel back the tape a little bit. And so um, that's what we've been trying to do. And um, it's been, you know. Her remembering stuff has has really reminded me of that. It's a silly example, but no. it's just uh, in counseling. Our counselor talks about this. She says, she says we got to slow it down. Yeah, exactly. Slow it down. So I uh, see that's what you're. It's yeah. like when the anxiety creeps up, you got to slow it down. So I appreciate that. For me, uh, the way I have two ways that I prayer. If you're interested in these, I can send them to you. One's called Acts. It's a it's a I don't know what it's called, uh, but every letter represents something. And the A represents adoration. And so I start off my prayer with adoration. It's just a time of me remembering the faithfulness of God. And so I practice that every time I pray. There's another one called a collect. I do the same thing. If you're interested in those two types of prayers, message me and I will send them to you. Let's wrap this up and move into a time of communion. And so we are going to go into our conclusion of this story. What does God want us to know with our head? That uh, we will be tempted to put our faith, hope, trust, and all sorts of things, people, ideas, and technology be, will be one of the sneakiest ones. We're getting sold it all the time. It actually is a good and can be a very good thing, but at the end of the day, sometimes we could put too much 
hope and trust and value into it. With our heart, uh, God wants us to cultivate a heart of shepherding one another. And so I'd be encouraging you to ask some of those questions about who, who is, who's checking in on you and helping you and who are you helping and whether your hands, uh, we learned from David to, to make remembering God's victories, a regular spiritual practice in our life. And so it, encouraging you to find a way to do that, whether that's, um, Matt learning from his spouse, how to be, um, responsible and patient, health, patient, Miranda's journaling, prayer, worship, or for me, prayer, uh, make it a regular routine in your life. Here's our spiritual practice for the week. Is there someone from the table who has been on your heart outside of your immediate village friend group? Uh, reach out to them this week. I'm giving you courage, pastor's orders. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the story that we've all heard. I pray that there was a fresh expression in that that we can think about the way we use technology in a different way. We can, we can think about the things that we, and people, institutions, systems that we put our hope and trust in for safety, salvation, peace, contentment, etc. And would you continue to speak to us about how we are being shepherded, who is shepherding us, who are those voices that we let speak into our life for direction, guidance, and protection, and who we are speaking into, whose lives that we, that we are helping to lead, encourage, grow, strengthen. At the end of the day, Lord, we want to see your victory. We want to remember them in the past. We want to see them in our present. We want to put our trust and hope in them for the future. For you are the God of the hosts, as David said, the angel armies. And we will declare that you do not save by spear or sword or iPhones or computers social media but it is your Holy Spirit dwelling in us by the power of your cross by your blood shed by your body broken that as we proclaim your name that you are Lord of our life we'll experience your grace your transformation your love your peace and your joy we pray now that as we come to this cup and this bread that you would be present with us We pray that you would be here tangibly, that we would come expecting and anticipating to meet with you and that you would meet that expectation because that is what you promised to do, to be present when we come to be present in the bread and the cup. And now, Father, we pray as a group with one voice, the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive forgive us our sins as we forgive forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory.